0: Good morning, friends. You are tuned in to RVA Dirt's Municipal Mania, heard every Wednesday at 11 a.m. right here on LP 97.3 FM Richmond. Today, We're focusing on events that took place this past weekend in cities not too far from us, marches in Charlottesville and Washington, D.C. on the anniversary of last year's Unite the Right rally, where anti-racist protester Heather Heyer was brutally run down and killed by a white supremacist. Our intrepid co-host, Jesse Perry, live-tweeted for us from both places, the memorial and remembrance in Charlottesville and the return of Unite the Right, the white supremacist event and counter-protest in D.C. If you'd like to check out those threads, please head to Twitter and search for at RVA Dirt. Today you will hear an interview with local activist and friend of the dirt Goad Gatsby. We'll focus on the events that actually happened versus what mainstream media was reporting. I know I know all you municipal maniacs are out there like but where's our city council? They are on vacation so we are off the chain. You might be thinking, why do I care what went on in Seaville and DC? Well, we think that racism and bigotry affects everyone in every city in America, and so here we are. Without further ado, goad Gatsby.
1: Um, Thank you so much for joining us, Goad Gatsby. Thank you for having me. So you were somebody who was in Charlottesville this past weekend for some of the counter protests and the gatherings, correct?
2: Um, That is correct. but I wouldn't necessarily call it a counter protest because um, there's no protest to counter. Very true.
1: And were you also um, in Charlottesville last year?
2: Yes, I was. Okay. I was um, in the uh, the center of the uh, circle of torches last year, and um, as well as I was also on the same block as the uh, the attack that took the life of Heather Heyer.
1: So you've really been there on the ground for two years in a row, really kind of every event that people have really been talking about in the the media and just general chatter. Then,
2: um, yeah, and. Uh, terms of the events in august i would say that i've, I've been to a great deal of uh, the events um i stayed away from um, the park where a lot of the fighting was taking place at last year but um yeah i would say that i've been to a good deal of the events i also try to make a uh, point to travel out to charlottesville when there's a uh, need for community support for just regular visuals and uh court support for the people affected um and try to get a, uh, a good idea of what the community wants
1: oh i want to just thank you for for being there for all of that um i think it's really important for people to be on the ground consistently especially you're welcome if you kind of wanted to just talk about you know what happened this past weekend and the experience and how how things went this past weekend down there
2: uh yeah so the first thing i did was uh, um, on a Saturday of significance would be, uh, I went, I went down to the downtown mall, uh, because I wanted to go to the memorial where the, uh, the attack happened. And, um, you know, it was obviously blocked off. I had to go through a security checkpoint. Um, my bag search um, anything that was contraband had to be confiscated and go through, uh, and go through the mall. And the downtown mall is very similar to Richmond's Carytown town, except that it's, uh, usually closed to traffic, with the exception of some side streets, but it was completely shut down this week. And, um, it's it's a very vibrant um a lot of restaurants and other small businesses around there and it was very dead except for obvious uh media reporters and cameramen as well as a lot of police and so it's it's just not possible to feel comfortable there because you have two different groups that were always watching you you had uh police just standing around waiting for something to happen and then you had um, reporters waiting for a story to happen and so uh the first thing i saw Really jump out at me was uh, the arrest of an individual who made a point to go inside the CVS at the mall and purchase some razor blades and set them outside. Now, the razor blades oh. that he bought in the mall were contraband. So, by having them, he was in violation and he was being very flagrant about that. And so, uh, about 30 officers. From what I could tell, it just surrounded him and took him out. And uh, I later found out that he was um, charged. I think it was disorderly conduct. I think he was charged with. Um, yeah, and that was that was just the re- result of what was going on. Of there's just so many things going on at once, and so of um, uh, just like so many cameras from different cities. As, as I said, 700 Virginia State Police officers were around. And then I um, I came across a Black black group. Uh, I, they were, almost all of them were from out of town. They were, uh, they wanted to go to the, uh, the Heather Hire Memorial. And, um, you know, they tried to go through uh, the shortest route possible. There was the barricade. They said, go around. After a minute, everybody discussed. They decided they were going to go through the checkpoint, but they were still, um, they were still in um, black block, which would mean, um, and I would, I would call this a soft black block, which would be almost all black bandanas. Something to obscure your identity, but not conceal it. And they wanted to go to the site where someone was murdered and pay their respects and reflect on what had happened the year before and to go through a security checkpoint and then all of these cameras just waiting for a story just seemed very 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 difficult for those people Um, when they made it there so many cameramen were getting really close uh, taking pictures you could keep hearing the snaps over and over and they they just wanted a minute you know there were people yelled out like hey you can get your picture you can get your picture after this just let us have some time here and I think I think that really is set the tone of, of uh how how things f- uh, felt at that time because you know like, people didn't come for a street fight like everybody like the uh the narrative coming into this was oh another street fight no it's people coming into this to try and get the closure they wanted uh to try to mourn to try to reflect on this uh i'm trying to remember her name i ran into another reporter and i'm feeling really bad that i forgot her name right now uh on august 12th of last year a fascist broke her arm and uh gave her a severe head, head injury. And, um, you know, she was keeping her distance the whole time. I was like, yeah, you, you understand what's going on. Like, you know, what's up. Like, and I gave up, came up and gave her a hug. And, um, that's, that's how I felt about it. And that was, yeah, that was Saturday morning. And then on Saturday night, so UVA had been had shut down the rotunda and the lawn and had it only for lawn residents so it was completely fenced in and so the virginia students who um had been leading the anti-racism action for quite some time who were dead in the circle in the rotunda with me um who were also assaulted they were they were given um first access to the site to hold the rally in which they said um, this doesn't feel like a free speech rally this doesn't feel we don't feel comfortable at all we're surrounded by police we're surrounded by fences. We have eyes on us everywhere we go. Like we, at the same time, like we're being told that this is for our safety, but you know, o- only people around us are police. So. It decided to move over to a different part of the campus in which uh, I personally witnessed, seemed about a hundred police officers with riot shields being moved from the lawn to um, about a little bit, uh, about a block over on the same same connected path. And just seeing such a very police militarized presence on a student's speech, the students trying to have a speech just seemed extremely excessive. I think so, something to
1: like, to your point, especially very early on, is that this was not a counter-protest because there was no one else there. It really was yeah. a memorial to where there was 700 police mm-hmm. at some point during the weekend, and it sounds like people in riot gear coming down, 50, 100 people at a time for people that yeah. were peaceful.
2: Yeah, um, and so af- after that, they decided to move, move over to the amphitheater, which is a few blocks down the road. It was a big march, and when they get there, the police showed the signs of a kettling which would be completely surrounding everybody and um, making it so that there would be no way in or out without through a line of police. And so that's when the Virginia students decided to end their, uh, their rally. Um, they felt like they couldn't uh, be given a chance to speak freely, so they had to just call it, and uh, everybody else marched to downtown. And in terms of everything downtown, because everything I've seen is based off of video, like, out of the context, but uh, I, I can tell you on wh- how I felt and, um, and what I've seen so far is that it was a lot of the police coming in to instigate and then realizing how outnumbered they were and then backing up. Because w- one thing very definite, there is no property damage in, in Charlottesville this weekend. No, no injuries, no nothing. All, all Jake Trapper is talking about is how one person was like, get this camera out of my face and then Knock the camera out of his hand and this is this is what's been going on all weekend is people putting their cameras really close in people's face when they don't want it when it's been a year of uh individuals within the fascist movement trying to get as many pictures and photos of participants at rallies to try and um, come up with um, some type of conspiracy theory and when you look at what had happened to individuals like deandre harris and Corey long um who had been charged with crimes deandre's charges were completely dropped um he was he was acquitted a lot of it came from other footage that people took and they were splicing it together taking them out of context to try and bring them up on charges you know in the court of law they have to see the full video and get the full context and so the charges were just were uh, thrown out, and uh, I'm hoping Corey Long appeals his, and um, and people understand that he was he was defending people in, in what he was doing. Obviously, you wouldn't want a camera in your face, so people could could take anything that you do out of context and use it for some type of uh, criminal charge or making you look bad and all this other stuff. Um, when I when I went online last night, and the big story that Jake Trapper was running out of CNN was how the, uh, the anti-fascists are known to be violent, and that's typical of a crowd. Like, that's... No, like, this is a crowd of many, and one person... I, is, is the camera okay? Like, are we going to have to hold a memorial for the camera? Like, what What about the violent people that are walking the streets a year ago? Like, what about the strong military police presence? Why isn't that the story? At the end of the night, everybody gets down to the downtown mall and they're like, are, everybody gets real and they're like, what are we really going to do? we? we? Did we re, Are we really going to tear down this statue? Are we really going to have a huge confrontation with police? No, we're not going to do that. Guys, we had a wonderful march. Let's break up let's go with our friends let's go back to our houses let's go back to our cars whatever that's that's what i kept on hearing and so everybody everybody broke away and um everything seemed just fine now in terms of the next day uh sunday morning because um um people wanted to go to the uh heather higher site memorial memorial again this was a group made up of much larger I started in uh, Booker T Washington park, big list beakers, a lot of them, uh, local organizers who've been working, working in so many ways over the past year and longer than that. And, um, you know, they, and they wanted to go to the site. Um, there was one arrest on the way for one person, like going ahead of a police motorcade. I'm not sure. I didn't get to see that. There were a few interactions with, um, Individuals of uh, far-right political activities trying to be very provocative uh, to the crowd, but yeah, by the by the time they got there, there was a wall of police. They insisted that everybody from a crowd of hundreds go through the security checkpoint so they could get to the memorial site. People weren't having that, and uh, you know, I was I was pretty angry. That I had to I had to take a step back because how angry I was. I was like, if you just move it back. half a block everything will be fine tensions got really high there was a militarized vehicle deployed um i witnessed uh a um, charlottesville police officer with um uh what are those called it's like the um the it shoots the canisters of less lethal rounds i guess you would call those oh be like beanbag guns uh it could have been a beanbag gun it could have been like rubber bullets, smoke uh Oh, yeah, the canister rubbish.
0: canister gun where they shoot yeah. off the smoke. Yeah, yeah.
2: <laughs> and still still fresh in my mind from last week is how um, somebody was hit in the head wearing a helmet and it went through the helmet and gave them a, and gave the person serious head injury. So um, I I took I took a picture of that put that on on Twitter. Um, I, I think I think he retweeted that. Thanks. Uh, like, yeah, this is this is they're treating this like a very serious situation when people just want to go to a memorial. And I, I want to say that the <laughs> clergy of Charlottesville ha, has been working very hard to put their own bodies on the line, knowing that, like, when they come out in um, in their uh, their various religious garb and like who they are, like when they put their they know that if they put themselves out in the front, the police aren't going to go out and arrest uh, a reverend. It, it would just make them look so bad. And so I want to thank them for uh, being able to diffuse so many situations um, and being experts in, in uh, nonviolent uh, civil disobedience and other forms of um, types of protests. Fell back to a, a park a couple blocks back and um, decided to regroup. I unfortunately left Hound after the regroup, so I was not able to see this in person. But uh, Susan Bro, the mother of Heather Heyer, Went to um, the uh, memorial, and um, there was another confrontation, a couple of arrests. And then all of a sudden, the police decided to back off and close the barricade. A lot of people credit Wes Bellamy for being able to negotiate that. I felt like that was something that should have happened a few hours before. Um, and also, it was pouring rain after that, so uh, that that probably also accelerated uh, easing the tensions but uh that's what i experienced this weekend and um yeah that's about that's about the gist of it
1: no i i I think it was a very good summation i think of a a side that a lot of people don't really get to hear.
3: Um, and you didn't
0: see it on the television. I, Since I wasn't able to go, I was had the coverage on MSNBC running, and you see how insanely biased it is because I'm getting messages from Jesse telling us what's actually going on, and then you're seeing what the national media is portraying it as, and... In some instances, it is two completely different stories.
3: I remember Jesse sending us, um, we were following the tweets, and Jesse was uh, sending us text messages. And at one point, they were singing, um, I can't remember what song they were singing, but they were singing like a chant. And on the TV, it was a totally different part of the crowd, and it maybe it, there was a delay. But they weren't. Sing- it wasn't this happy celebration. We're singing and having a good time and enjoying each other. It was like, <sighs> You know, look at these counter protesters out here, you know, in the way.
1: Yeah. And that was about yeah. like the D.C. stuff yesterday. Um, but it's just, I think, a, a reoccurring theme where you see it in Charlottesville and you see a. Mm-hmm. I think you put it very well um, when you mentioned that it, it's media out there looking for a shot, looking for a story to cover. If it bleeds, it yeah. bleeds.
0: Right.
2: Yeah. Um, there was uh, one one local reporter. I'll protect my source on this one who I spoke to the week before and he was trying to ask me about like where to go and um, what would be the activities and he um his the way how he just felt about that was it was like there's nothing to do. I'll just I'll just be there doing nothing for the weekend. And then I was like, "Um, I think you're right. I I think you'll just be standing around a
1: lot. For most people, I think that we would all see that as like a good thing. (laughs) Yeah. yeah. That means means there's nothing. There's nobody being harmed. There's nobody being arrested. There's not police violence. Like those are standing around for media, I think is a very positive thing for people that are involved in a situation.
2: I really think that uh, Virginia State Police had an opportunity to Help their image after last year, after having the image of, uh, you know, standing down and um, while all this violence went on. So instead of trying to be the proactive helping people, they wanted to be proactive trying to sniff out a problem and bait it out. If you If you work off the assumption that somebody's going to commit a crime, well, eventually you're going to find a criminal. You might have to make one in the process, but that's... That's what happened. I I was hoping, knowing that I wouldn't probably get it, that you would have a hands-off idea from everyone in the police department of, like, trying to instead come up and tell you, like, why this is a bad idea to protesters and tell them maybe you should do this action instead. Not deployment of... of so many officers with riot shields like wouldn't it wouldn't it make sense to instead send a commanding officer over to the virginia students and say look i know you're now deviating from what we thought was going to happen and we want to know where do you want us like how far away like that that would be like the idea of what a commander would want to do in that that situation and as far as i could see that did not happen when i was i overheard uh someone i'm not sure how high up on the chain they were but they were um they were inside the 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 fenced-in area in the rotunda and he he just was on the phone and he was like hey should we uh just close down the whole rotunda now i don't know what to do like you didn't even think of a possibility that people would walk out like that's that doesn't sound like um good planning on your part i, I you know i've i've never gone through police training so i, I wouldn't know um what uh, what what they were doing but
1: But I think there's some level of, like, common sense. Like, you a a lot of people when gathering at that evening event in Charlottesville, you know, everybody prepared to go through a security checkpoint. Mm -hmm. Everybody prepared for their to not be bringing in weapons and to not bring in much of anything because it's, hey, have a clear backpack or whatever. Yeah, Like, there weren't people standing around with flags. I think I saw one flag the entire night of somebody that had a flag on a flagpole. All of the banners were handheld. So, like, common sense would say these people aren't going to pose a real threat so why are you marching in dozens of cops in riot gear with shields like to take a step back and use just a common sense approach to the situation which i don't feel like is really what happened i think that was part yeah. of the problem because
3: last year they looked at the situation and didn't and under reacted too late and then this year under new leadership which that's really who i feel a little bit because she um was between a rock and a hard place. I don't think she really knew how to respond because she didn't want to catch the negativity of not being prepared last year. So but um, she, she who, who are knew the, the new chief of police in, in Charlottesville. Oh, okay. um, um it's, it's a black woman and
2: yeah, um, yeah, Chief Brackney. Um Yeah. And I I, f- I I feel
3: sorry for her because people are gonna blame her per se, but it wasn't it's not solely her, but you know, I just feel for her a bit because she called, I mean, that's in her mind, she's doing her job, but it was like a knee jerk over response of what should have happened.
2: I think if you mm-hmm. want to put uh, blame on failure to adjust, I would say uh, that'd be the public safety chief, mm-hmm. uh, Brian Moran, yeah. who worked last year in that same position, who was a holdover um, to the new governor. And, um, whose, whose department oversees the Virginia state police. And, um, I, you know, this is somebody like you would think would have better, better insight. Like if Mm you, if if this is your fifth year on the job and you, you know, your second time to Charlottesville now, you should, you should have the tools. Um, and I think it was also a level of, uh, getting state police to act more like, I would want to say like Ranger Smith from Yogi bear. That's, that's your ideal cop right now like you inst- instead of going into the cave and trying to stop the bear like you need to go up to him and be like hey don't steal that picnic basket that's that's the idea and you know they didn't they didn't do that um they focused on um property protection as well um and i think that's a huge terrible idea to to do that like we're just going to focus on property protection mm-hmm. um they set aside 2 million dollars for emergency funds for any type of, uh, destruction. But, um, yeah, I guess they'll be spending $2 million on the, on, uh, Cal NBC's phone. Uh, there's, there's, yeah, there's, there's no destruction. There's, uh, oh. Yeah, nothing. I'm, tr- I'm trying to think. Maybe. No, I've, I mean, I, I destroyed a couple bagels at BOTUS this weekend. Whew.
3: <laughs>
1: <laughs> like, you want to prepare, but at the same time, like... It was an e-jerk. It was way too much. And I think just the movements and decisions on the ground even level, because it was all Virginia State troopers mm-hmm. at the ground level. And, you know, going into D.C., where I really expected the cops in D.C. to be probably more aggressive, mm-hmm. honestly, um, and arguably maybe after a lot of people dissipated they kind of were which is always fascinating when the media leaves and when people leave suddenly cops get more aggressive yeah there's nobody to catch them um, yeah uh,
2: um so yeah the biggest group in DC of over aggressive police would be the national park service who which is where the the permit was held um and i couldn't as far as i knew in terms of the coverage that i saw i was watching uh, a live stream of somebody following around jason kessler um and that seemed like a very secure place nobody was trying to get in there um and so everybody was kind of like held back behind the parks in terms of uh metro police they're they're actually usually well reserved in um city uh city protests as far as um if no one is blatantly breaking the law they're not going to try and uh follow tactics that wouldn't Make the situation worse. Um, uh, I, I was not able to see like a lot of a lot of other uh, what was going on. Uh, I'm, I know there was Black Bloc in the city, but I don't know what they were doing. There was also a lot of of liberal groups, nonprofit groups, uh, just like really, really like well-reserved groups that just came to do more uh, to just to chant and yell. And you know what? Please yell at Jason Kessler. Tell him things like hey, Get out of my room! I, I hope you all get that reference. <laughs> uh, Jason Kessler was giving an interview, uh, like a webcam interview, and his father just yells at him, like, "Get out of Get out of my room!" While he's doing <laughs>
3: doing the. Ki- I can't.
1: I did hear um, some people yelling. Jason Kessler likes Nickelback. <laughs> Yeah, no, I mean, I mean, I think it's interesting also just like you were watching a live stream of the other side of it. Like, you're right. There was probably I think I heard numbers of close to a thousand people that were on the other side of the park of just different liberal organizations that were pretty much literally there to yell. Mm-hmm. Um, but the biggest thing as far as like police aggression was just sheer volume. You know, there was a blockade and then there was a solid amount of space between the blockade that was where the the People counter protesting were. But then all the way across was another blockade in a very secured area for the Unite the Right to rally. There was, I counted personally, 70 police that were lined up in double row, um, all facing the counter protesters. And then they also, at one point, had, I believe I counted at least 12 cops on horses. Hmm. all of which were facing counter-protesters again. And then I was trying to count how many were facing, like how many cops were on the other side. I think I counted less than five that were facing Unite the Right. Um. I'm like this is the sheer volume of this situation is anxiety inducing and yeah there was a a black block that actually went out to the metro station um, and there were people that were following the people from the metro station into the unite the right to rally and then also following them back which is really what the media covered was you know just that little bit of time period of when things had a high potential to clash Mm. they weren't covering necessarily like the speeches beforehand or the unity or the different marches that happened from different parts of the city to where a lot of different groups came together for something that was really to stand around and yell but also enjoy each other's company and and feel powerful in that moment but again like the media really focused on two flashpoints
2: yeah uh I had been saying I didn't want to go to DC and I had thought about it. And then just, I had gotten ride, but backed out at the last minute. Um, but, um, I wanted to go because there was a lot of like, just really great organizers who have been doing a lot of work for a long time that I wanted to be able to like, to realize that, you know, they're going to leave they're, and we're going to have a few more hours in the town to ourselves. And, you know, and I wanted to meet up with some people who have, who had come to other events and, how yeah, they do they do things uh you know a lot, uh, a lot of the dsa dc as well as like other groups like uh, iww and a small one called socialist snack squad like those are groups that i want to have an opportunity to because th- those are people that i really appreciate and they work really hard and they could have somewhat of a victory that day and that celebration um but also in terms of um the police having their focus on these groups instead of the other way around because it's Jason Kessler who put on a, ra- uh, a deadly rally last year and it's not anyone on the other side who did that that's, that's sort of the the two different sides uh, last uh, the weekend before I was glued to my TV on the uh, live stream of Portland and um, I my favorite live stream I highly recommend them is Unicorn Riot And when they have somebody on an event, you know, they're, they're very consistent. They pull people from the crowds start, uh, that are obviously willing to go on camera and talk to them about the heat of the situation. They, um, they like to get a lot of, uh, views of, uh, what's going on. And, um, in Portland, uh, they were right at the front line, right before the police started, um, using their less, less lethal rounds. And, um, attacking protesters and you can see that they they held they, they built a barricade of police officers almost all of the officers were um, facing towards the um, anti-racist protesters while the proud boys and Patriot Prayer on the other side didn't even get a full line you know there were officers spread apart they were relaxed um, and it just shows how these how they view these two different sides to say that uh, you're for the idea of free speech. Well, when you have one side that is known to be deadly violent and they receive less of a police monitor on them where one is not, has no deadly violence, they are heavily policed. They are fired upon, you know, the thing about Unite the Right, too, was supposed to be a, a free speech rally as well as the idea of um, white, whites are being oppressed. And so how can you say that this is a free speech rally when it's fundamentally designed to go against left wing protesters to strip them of their ability to organize and protest within legal con- uh, context context? by having this idea that all of these left-wing organizers are plotting violence. Well, there was every opportunity to go after Jason because of how poorly organized he was, how vulnerable he left himself at the Vienna station. No, nobody came after him. No, nobody wants to come after him. Like, don't, don't get your hands dirty on Jason Kessler. Like he, 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 he does the dirty work for himself. Like he's, he's destroying himself. So nobody, nobody's coming after him, especially, especially in Charlottesville. He puts himself in the middle of the crowd so many times and goes, Oh, look at all this violent crowd all around me, dude, you are backing up into me. Step away. Mm -hmm. Like this is, he has some type of victim mentality, but he's destroying himself. The, the narrative about free speech about how his free speech is being stripped away from him wh- while the secret service is giving him an, a free ride while he's getting his own private metro car where i'm being told when i go into charlottesville you need to be careful you never know who's around the corner looking for you
1: thanks well that just
3: continues to speak why i stayed my black tail at home
1: Thank you very All much right. for your time today. We really appreciate it and had a great conversation. Yeah, really this is a,
0: a lot of good, really good information for our listeners. So thank you so much for taking your time. Yeah,
2: thanks for having me.
4: Hi, I'm Will, a youth volunteer from Maggie Walker Governor School. And you're listening to RVA Dirts Municipal Mania on WRIR LP 97.3
0: FM Richmond. Yay, go well. To continue the conversation about the police presence in Charlottesville on August 12th, here is Jesse with an interview with Zeno, who was there.
5: Thank you so much for joining us today for the show, Zeno. Really appreciate um, your time now, but also your attendance at the events this weekend. Yeah, of course, no problem. So, to kind of get things started, just if you want to kind of quickly go through really you know what what you saw happen there, kind of some of the events that happened with the different rallies and gatherings that happened yeah. this weekend, we can go ahead yeah. and start there,
4: yeah, for sure, well, from my perspective, at least, what I was seeing was ask the people. Basically, trying to um, show the the cops slash fascists and UVA that we're not gonna stand for their bullshit and their like white supremacy and them covering up white supremacy and and letting cops and basically housing cops to combat us who are there to show the city and the community that was backing us that we're not letting white supremacy reign. In for or in Virginia, or in the United States anymore, for that matter. And some of the things I was seeing was there was actually one incident that happened on Sunday, which made it clear what side the cops were defending. Is when um, there was um, the white supremacist there on um, I believe it was the block where the uh, the block on last year where the um, the car had ran through the crowd where Heather Hair. Heather Harris' mom was, and um, where other people were gathering at, too. There was this incident where the white supremacist was by uh, another block of people, and he had said something like, I'm being harassed, and no one had responded. And then he was like, there's a weapon over here. And before even checking or asking anyone if there was a weapon, cops had immediately just rushed in and took the side of the fascist. He had basically just lied, and they pretty much just took orders from him and just came and brutally, like, arrested the people. They had, like, there there was at least, like, there was at least 10 cops trying to arrest two people, and they had, like, their knees on their necks and just, like, slamming them to the ground, and, like, one of the people was screaming, I'm hurt, I'm hurt, I need help, and they wouldn't let anyone get in, basically, what happened. So, yeah, that's that's some of the stuff that happened. Um,
5: that That incident... First of all, that's horrific to hear about. Um, yeah. But the incident on Sunday, I'm assuming that's where the news reports were really around, like, three or four arrests, I think, happened on Sunday at Charlottesville. That's yeah,
4: kind of yeah, they all in the same area over there.
5: And you were saying it was right there at Fort and, I think, Waters, I guess, which is Yeah, it was at Forest
4: and Waters? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay.
5: Mm-hmm. I always get to like a lot of words. I think there's a couple times I say this in another interview because you know there's people that are there trying to mourn at a memorial. Right. And um, uh, I think I also saw a picture where the police had pretty much like kettled people in in that area so that they couldn't leave.
4: Yeah. Yeah. They're trying to. Um, They're trying to kettle, and they also had. I don't know at one point. Um, I'm not sure if it was National Guard or if it was just, like, Virginia State Police that showed up with, like, a bearcat and just weapons drawn immediately for no reason. Like, as if they're going to shoot someone there and just make themselves look even worse. And that was, like, really ridiculous to me, that they were there for at least, like, a couple hours just with their weapons drawn. It's like, what are y'all really going to do? Are you actually going to shoot somebody out here? Like, like, honestly, it was just really, just really, like, ridiculous to see that.
5: Yeah. Yeah, that's kind of a theme that I've noticed a couple times is that, you know, people don't recognize that sometimes the escalating factor is really the police presence and then putting on riot here and holding weapons out of nowhere exactly wow that's
4: and they use that a lot of times for fear and intimidation to try to break people to try to like disperse groups we were there the whole time because personally i knew that they weren't gonna shoot anybody they might have arrested people but i was i was already there to um i wouldn't say to be arrested but if it came down to it i was gonna I was prepared to put my body on the line for
5: that. So, how, in your perspective, in these events, you know, what would have been a, like a better response from Charlottesville or just the police in general in some of these cases? Because, you know, I, I personally, when um, when on Saturday night the, pr- the rally moved, mm. I don't think I felt that much anxiety when all of a sudden I watched forty, fifty plus riot cops just come marching down the side of something that was completely unexpected to me. I don't know why I didn't anticipate that. Um,
4: yeah.
5: But, you know, I, I keep trying to think, you know, what would a better scenario have been? Do you have any ideas about that, maybe?
4: Yeah, a better response would be for them to not show up at period because the community knows that we're there for them, and they understand that. UVA and the police don't understand that, or they just don't care and just want to keep holding this, this Image of white supremacy and all of that. Shit. Yeah, but her response was them for just to not show up at all because we weren't gonna. We weren't there to like break in and just like complete like shamble like riot and just like destroy the streets. We were there to show the community that these are our streets and that we save us, not the police. the police were there, we're already in guns. Like, who are you protecting right now? Like, you have – you're clearly protecting the white supremacists if you're just going to run up immediately on two people and arrest them without asking any questions, without any search or anything like that, and just run up on them and slam them to the ground under the assumption that they have a weapon and not actually checking for anything, you know?
5: Absolutely. I think that, you know, it was interesting also to your point of, like, I don't think they should have had to be there because, you know, last year – there was a lot of criticism over the under-policing, but that's also a situation where there was a known threat of white supremacists that were coming to hold space, and there were yeah. no threats against people's lives in that scenario, whereas fast forward a year later, Jason Kessler had already withdrawn the permits, they were holding Unite the Right 2 up in D.C. There was no this wasn't a counter-protest, This. this was just a rally of people coming together for space. So it just it didn't make sense to me as to why, what what were they protecting against at some exactly. point? Exactly. It didn't
4: make sense at all. And one of the major things, because, like, we knew what they were trying to do on um, Saturday with that little, like, cage holding space. And that's one of the main reasons why we moved, to show them that we we're, we're, can't be kettled this force is not going you know, to, like, be stopped by y'all or anybody because we have the community's backing, and they know that, you know?
5: Absolutely. I think a lot of evidence is there I, I, There was no property damage. You know, people were right. walking through residential streets, but I was tweeting about it. There were people out there cheering everybody on. There were bystanders that were joining in and, exactly, and excited yeah. to see this.
4: Exactly, yeah. Because even the bystanders know that, like, we're out there for them, and we're out there putting our on line for the community. And they love to see that. They love to know that they have actual people's backings. Because even, even like, the, the civilians and bystanders saw, like, all the cops out there with their caps and riot gear. And were like, this isn't, we don't feel safe. Like, I had someone come up to me that was a bystander. Like, we don't feel safe. We feel safe with y'all, but not with them, with their guns drawn and everything like that. And wow. none of us <laughs> had, like, Yeah, and none of us had, like, any weapons. So, like, why would y'all have your guns drawn on People just marching against white supremacy and anti fascism. Like, that doesn't make sense to me. The only thing that does make sense is that they were there to uphold white supremacy and fascism and to basically be counter protesters to us, in a sense. Um, yeah. yeah.
3: Just
5: being there, and I mean, even in DC, where I mean, I had friends that were panicked texting me because. They were only seeing what was on TV, and I'm like, are they not showing the 70 police that are standing in front of counter protesters right now, or the <laughs> right? Exactly.
4: Are they not showing like I know there was um I can't remember what parking lot it was, but there was one parking lot in Charlottesville. I think it was by um uh, what is that building? I think it was like by the federal building or something down there where it was just like a whole parking lot just filled up with cop cars, just completely just decked out with undercover cop cars, regular cop cars. SUVs, Bearcats, and all that. And like, UVA had placed, I believe it was like 800 to 1,000 cops in student housing and didn't let any of the students know whatsoever that a heavy police residence was there until they, uh, when they saw them in their like dorms and just walking around and stuff like that. Yeah. You know? Interesting. Yeah.
5: Well, do you have anything else that you want to add um, to the conversation or any kind of ideas for people about, you know, where does the movement go from here? Well, there
4: are um, four points that I want the viewer and the listener to take from what happened. And those points are that we were there to combat fascism and make it clear to not only the people around us, but the community and the world that the police were not there to protect us whatsoever. I also want to make it known that this was not organized by any outside groups. This was all the community and students and community leaders. I also want the people to know that we protect us, the community. This is all about the community. We don't need we don't need cops because originally cops were made as slave patrol. And clearly that's here what they're still to do. And we also want to make it known that UBA's covered-up path of upholding white supremacy and fascism will be un- will be uncovered. And we're not going to let them keep covering that up. And we're going to hold them accountable to their actions for bringing all this police presence down there, for community leaders and students marching against white supremacy and fascism. And that's, that's all I'd like to add for that.
5: Thank you very much. That's a a very poignant and, I think, important message. So I appreciate that. I appreciate um, your involvement and presence and physically holding
0: space in Charlottesville on behalf of Mm -hmm. uh, many of us. Thank you so much.
4: No problem. Thank you for having me on the air.
0: So I'm watching all this coverage, right? Yeah. And while we were talking with GOAD, we were talking about the dichotomy of What's going out to the regular folks who are just watching, say, MSNBC or CNN, mm-hmm. and the folks who are actually on the ground? So, this started with Charlottesville on Saturday, and I flipped on MSNBC, and a lady was interviewing a white male, youngish 30s, in a seersucker three piece suit, mm. full beard, and waxed mustachio. Mm, okay. And she said, how do you feel about racism in Charlottesville? And he said, it's not Charlottesvillians. We don't have racism here. I wish everybody would stop saying that Charlottesville is a racist town. Hmm. So, and I'm going to shout out my buddy Ennis Cole for sending this to me. There is an essay that Jelaine Jelaine Schmidt wrote for Medium that says, in all my research about the rise of the KKK in 1920s Charlottesville. I found no record of any objection by any white Charlottesvillians. Hmm. Perhaps those who disagreed with the Klan chose to just ignore them. In any case, KKK parades filled the streets. Klansmen occupied positions of influence, like the sheriff and visiting Klan figures held free speech presentations inside the Albemarle County Courthouse beside the Jackson Monument.
3: Mm. So... Hashtag silence is violence.
1: And I'd also like to add that when I was at Charlottesville in the evening on Saturday, there was actually a handful of speeches that specifically addressed that point Mm -hmm. of the fact that a lot of people want to say the fact that, oh, these are people from the outside coming in. Like these are white supremacists that are outside coming in. And they blatantly said that they know for a fact that they are not just from the outside coming
0: in. No, they are hiding in all the darkest nooks and crannies, but they are also out in the light, saying just so that you can continue to have your tourism trap, that it really isn't racist here. We don't have a history of racism. Stop lying. Mm -hmm. Also, another thing that I wanted to point out about the media coverage was, so Fran and I were conversing with Jesse all day mm-hmm. yesterday and the day before, just to make sure that she was safe. So we knew where she was. You know, we were we were reading the tweets, but you know, conversing with her specifically so that we could get you know real stories. So I'm watching MSNBC, and um, the reporter that I'm about to reference is Garrett Hake. Everything wraps up. Jason Kessler and crew are escorted out by Secret Service. Mm-hmm. And some police officers move forward to move a barrier. And apparently there was a surge. Somebody threw a bottle of water or a burrito. Great. And the reporter says that Antifa is clearly spoiling for some type of confrontation. And they don't care who it's with white nationalists, the police, or themselves. Mm, they hurt and so all they're showing us, the viewer, on the air is mm-hmm. agitated a very small group of agitated people.
1: How many people do you think it was?
0: I, I want to say that what you could see on the screen was maybe about 20.
1: Yeah, you know,
0: okay? I, I
3: think that was part of that was a part of the, the real confusion that was going on. Right. Too. And
0: somebody let off a Roman candle at the end. And so I asked her. What is really going on there? Because they're making it out like there's a lot of shoving. There's a lot of objects being thrown at the police. This guy is shooting Roman candles off at people. And the reporter is saying that these counter protesters are itching for a fight. Mm -hmm. So I ask her because it makes me very anxious. My friend and colleague is there Mm -hmm. in the midst of all of this. Is this actually happening? And Jesse, what did you say? I have no idea. I don't know what you're talking
1: about is what I said. Because there was what she's talking about. 20 people the reason i asked it is because i wouldn't even know where that was Th- this i was in a group of close if not more than a thousand people that were nowhere even near where kessler was hmm. What weren't even trying to get over to where kessler was there was such a minority of people of 20 versus a thousand and it was very, I was getting very frustrated in text messages about, you know, the there was maybe 20, not even, people there for Unite the Right 2. Mm-hmm. They had a flood of media where it probably was four to one media to Unite the Right 2 attendees. Mm-hmm. So they looked huge um, relative to their real numbers just because the media flooded them.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: And then you have a thousand people that are peacefully assembling and that, part of the narrative is completely ignored all of the speeches about gentrification all of the speeches about the struggles of black women of black trans women all of the struggles of immigrants all of the speeches and conversations
0: that happened about that no coverage no coverage no no absolutely zero coverage I saw not one speech televised Not one, all they cared about was following around and shoving cameras up in the faces of peaceful people. And if you're getting a camera shoved in your face and you didn't ask for it, of course you might respond with an aggressive tone, but that doesn't mean you're there itching for a fight. So when we get this narrative of fake news, things like this add fuel to that fire. When journalists, and I'm gonna call us journalists loosely, when people like us are trying to get the real story out, our voices are drowned out because all they see is MSNBC, CNN, Fox News, ABC, mm-hmm. CBS reporting this, mm-hmm. reporting junk, reporting on a very small amount of people. And the the projectiles being thrown at the police officers, didn't you say that the crowd was telling them to stop?
1: Yeah, like there's um, if there was stuff happening over where the 20 other people were um – that might be a different situation, but there there was, I, I will fully say, there was like a plastic bottle that was thrown over the police's head, not even at them. And then somebody did throw, um, like several minutes later, like a burrito, a half eaten burrito at a cop. Y'all stop wasting burritos. I know. And so everybody was screaming at each other, like, stop it. Like, you're going to ruin this for yeah. everybody stop here. Stuff. And people were really self-policing each other and trying to hold each other accountable for that situation and change that piece because people literally didn't want that news story to come out of like
3: Mm
0: -mm. this
1: being the only thing. But when you have, it was announced to everybody there that C-SPAN was doing a live stream of Jason Kessler, you know, and regardless of if there was a brief moment of like a shot of coverage of a pan or somebody there talking that is a totally different scenario instead of versus like live streaming the speeches that happen mm-hmm. being able to go back and have that footage and you know talking to the things about like the cameras and people's faces um, I'm not I'm somebody who doesn't really care if my photos taken. By the end of the night when I was in Charlottesville on Saturday night, I was actively irritated with people because when you're walking, first of all, you have to think about this environment where there's a lot of people chanting but there is a police helicopter. That has been over your head. All day. All day. I really, I, I think I was tweeting about how insane I was about to go. And then to have like bystanders that are lining the streets, like they're coming out to support you. But you know that there's just live stream after live stream after live stream that you're appearing on. People taking photos, getting in your way mm-hmm. because you're in a crowd situation. Like I was actively like ba- like knocking my head down. So I wasn't on camera just and it wasn't even that I'm trying to hide myself. I was just so Done with it at that point.
0: Well, and also, there are folks out there who have poor intentions Mm -hmm. when it comes to um, exposing left wing protesters that get people hurt, that get people harassed. They do it for funsies, they don't have anything better to do. Doxing is a real problem. And so these people can identify you by your face and then go find your Facebook page and then go find your job and your family and harass the heck out of you. Mm -hmm. And so and then by the same token, though, people say, oh, well, then why are you showing the faces of the Unite the Right people? (laughs) It's a completely different story. They put themselves there. Mm -hmm. They put themselves in a position to speak on these issues. They applied for the permit, right? So they expect to be on camera.
1: To me, the calls to tell people, like, if you don't want your face shown, then you shouldn't go out there and you shouldn't counter protest when it's this is not a situation where, again, counter protest keyword here. This is this is a situation where you have white supremacists that have decided to start this. Yeah, they're coming out there and instigating this by being there. To me, people that say, well, why why you shouldn't go out there if you don't want your face shown? Those are people who are supporting that system of white supremacy, and yep. they're reinforcing it because they're trying to scare people literally into not showing I'm speaking up. speaking
3: out.
0: Yep. Right? Their constitutional right to speak out, and the Constitution does not say, please feel free to take everybody's picture and dox everyone that you don't like.
3: No, that's not how this works.
0: But if you are out there publicly spewing hatred.
3: Yeah, is that somebody that you want to work with? You want to work beside them at your desk?
0: Also, hate speech, not protected. No. Not you, protected.
3: Is that, is that who you want in your neighborhood? Is that who you want in your community?
1: And, like, just if anybody doesn't know, I don't want to, like, spew this on anywhere, but there were people out there at, at UTR, one of them that I was literally just looking at, that had a 1488 tattoo. If you don't know what 1488 is, that is literally a direct reference to Hitler. hmm
0: Mm-hmm. mm-hmm
1: in other white supremacist beliefs, mm-hmm. like these, are not people that are just standing up. Like
0: th- they're using for their it. white
3: civil rights, whatever the <laughs> yeah. hell that is.
0: That's a a term that should just be wiped from our mouths. Like what is that? We have all the civil rights. I was gonna
1: say, you mean just living as a white person? Because right. like I don't know, I I know really being born. We just somebody have somebody
3: else to just to tell me, explain that to me. What the hell a white civil right is? I I just I don't okay.
0: White people, your existence is not threatened. Promise, promise.
3: Well, it wouldn't be threatened if you didn't walk around like ex wipes and treat people poorly for centuries and then expect them not to fight back. If, If black people and brown people were quiet about the way they've been treated, this wouldn't be a problem. Everybody would be fine. Sure, let them outnumber them. They're not speaking up. They're not saying anything. But as soon as black and brown people demand that they be treated fairly and that they not be targeted in our community for nonsense all of a sudden now it's they're procreating too fast or you know they're gonna outnumber us they're taking our jobs 2030 yeah they're taking our jobs they're taking our this they're taking our
0: that well maybe if you actually took those jobs and did those jobs and stopped complaining that they were
3: beneath you i'm just so i'm just so tired of hearing that narrative that you know immigrants are taking our jobs and the jobs that immigrants are working when they come here and work for pennies on the dollar are not jobs that you want. And if you don't like immigration, then go after the companies that hire these people day in and day out and pay them little to no wages to run their corporations so that you can have corn and crops and everything else that you have on the table that nobody else wants to do, those grunt jobs that no one else wants to do. If you have an issue with illegal immigration and that's who you want to target, go talk to those people.
0: White genocide does not exist.
3: No. If it does, y'all did it.
0: All right then. Anything else we wanna add?
3: Yeah, RPS is still not fully funded and there's still dirty ass water in Flint. There we go. And white people still white people in.
0: And that will do it for today's Municipal Mania, recorded right here in the studios of WRIR LP 97.3 FM Richmond Independent Radio. We hope we gave you some things to ponder, most especially the fact that racism is real and, you guessed it, still wrong. If you want to conversate, hit us up across all social media at RVADirt. And remember, if you see someone spewing hate, say something. If you don't, you are part of the problem. Until next time, stay classy, Richmond, and stay involved.